Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. And welcome to a special episode of the Stitch Please podcast. This is called Sewing Sisters. And no, it is not my sisters because they are not about that sewing life. But um, <laughs> there are two sewing sisters that are in Black Women's Stitch as charter members. And they are Sierra and Sansa Ray Burrell. And I am honored and delighted that they are here with us today. Sansa Ray and Sierra have a very special place in my heart because they oh. attended the very first Beach Week uh, retreat that I held in, oh my gosh, was it 2019? Was it 2019? Was it? No, 2018. 2018. 20, 19. It's 20, see, this is why I put it on the cup. Time to start, by the way. I had the very first retreat and these two women were coming. They were coming from different states, but they were sisters. And I was like, this will be nice that they'll know, they'll know each other and stuff. And they were such a delight and such a gift the entire weekend, the entire week, they were just beautiful souls and it was a real blessing to get to know them. And they taught me about PDF patterns and Sierra told me about Insta stories again, which I had been trying to learn. <laughs> um, so like all of these things and all, just their just beautiful, resolute spirit of creativity and love and sisterhood. And so one of the things I wanted to talk with them, I wanted to welcome them to the program today and to thank them for all that they have already done and thanking them again for generously being here today. So thank you both so much. Uh, yeah, it's a, the honor is ours and we receive that love and send it right back to you. We had such a great time and we're honored to be a part of the uh, inaugural class That's of right. uh, Black Women's Stitch and Beach Week. And we had an absolute ball. It was... It was a cool exchange. You think about like being able to share stuff and then the the things that we learned from one another and really formed some bonds that there was no way we could even have expected all of that. So yes. thanks for including us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I want to get started with one of the first stories that I believe you all told about your sisterhood. And that is how Sierra got her name. I love this story. So you have to say how Sierra got her name. You want to start, Sierra? No, I, th I think you should start because I, <laughs> you were there. You can chime in when you want. So Sierra and I are eight years apart. And I remember, so there's a sibling in between us, our brother. And so it was my brother and I were two years apart, hanging out, carrying on in life. And around seven years old, I decided that I wanted a baby sister. This was a solo thought, mission, and desire, but it was something that early on, I believed that I could have what I wanted, right? Within reason. So I began, the only way I knew how to manifest things at seven is to pray about it. So I literally would just include it in my prayers, shared this idea with my parents. I don't remember a response from them, which means that they probably did not respond. But yeah, it was just a thing. And I believed that it would happen. And I had no reason to believe that it wouldn't at seven. So I remember my mom, I can still see what she had on. It was this really cute blue and white pajama set uh, or nightgown. And she had come back from the doctor she hadn't been feeling good. She had the flu. And I remember I came around the corner. I'm like, you're pregnant. And I think I just skipped away. And she's looking. And sure enough, she thought she had the flu. She had gone to the doctor. And she was like, your flu has a heartbeat. And that was me. It was Sierra. 
And then I guess because they were just thanking me and I'm not going to say blaming, but they were giving me the credit. (laughs) So they also allowed me to name her. (laughs) So at seven, I decided that Sierra was the name that we were going with. I think it might have had something to do with the mountain range, but I can't remember. It was 31 uh, years ago. So yeah, Sierra's here. And really thankful I, that you were a wise child because I could have been like green crayon and I'm so thankful. You could have been named like Blue. You could have been <laughs> I'm just saying. Been named instead of Sierra Burrell, you could have been named Flu Burrell. <laughs> promised Sansere that she could do the naming and she was like, Mommy, you thought you had the flu. <laughs> Maybe we should name the baby Flu. And then you're you right, know, good point. She would have to go through all these shenanigans to say, you can give the baby a special in-the-house only name, but not the birth certificate. Right. Like, she'd have to, like, backtrack on what she had promised. But thankfully, Sansere had vision. And yes. In addition to self-actualizing a sister, praying up a literal sister in her life, she also had the foresight to name you quite beautifully. So Thank you. She's so sweet. When I was pregnant with my second, Riley was calling a baby uh, SpongeBob Square Diaper. And I was like, you can call it that as much as you want. That's not, that's not a real name. The, dis- the disrespect, though. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, that's not an actual name for a baby. Whatever you want. Oh, oh gosh. Oh. That is hilarious. So tell me about like your, you all's creative, do you, creative visions. So I, I know at, at eight years apart, that is, can be considered like some kind of substantial distance, but it feels like your creative, your creative spirits have been like woven together in some ways for me. I mean, it's because I know you all as a set. I got to meet mm-hmm. you as a, this beautiful, robust, creative pair who, when you all were sitting together at retreat, you like you would bounce ideas off each other or let me take a little piece of that and you can put it on this thing that you're making. How do you imagine sisterhood as a, as a family concept shapes your creativity as individuals and as a team? That's an excellent question. I think we really do balance each other out. It's interesting to see how we influence each other because... I think we're both kind of sewing rebels. Like, I know that there's rules, but mm, are there? I think seam allowances <laughs> are suggestions. Um, <laughs> yes. But I, I think that we bring out a lot in each other. I'm very much like, I'm going to follow these directions. I'm going to sew this thing. Because that's how I learned how to sew. So veering off from that was like very scary. And I'm like, I, no, I'm just going to follow the instructions. I might skip one, but I'm, I'm going to just follow them in general. <laughs> and Ray is, I'm just going to try to draft a pattern. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> Who does that? Or even like doing different hacks and, and things of that nature. But I'm glad that we're able to share this, this creative journey and creative practice because she will have a completely different perspective and it helps me in in my creative practice. It lets me loosen up a little bit and say, you know what? Yeah, there's directions, but it's a guide. I don't have to follow it. Like it's very strict instructions. So she helps me let loose a little bit and I help reel her in (laughs) sometimes because I'm like, that's that's a bit (laughs) tricky. Maybe you want to try something else. But I, I think that it's definitely strengthened our relationship and it's something that we can always talk about no matter what, whether we're in person, over the phone, I'm, it doesn't matter where we are. I can be in the airport just talking to her about sewing. I love having that bond. Yes. Yeah. I'll also piggyback on the, the balancing out because we end up being able to augment each other's style. I, very much my earlier sewing experiences allowed a little bit more of pattern drafting or approaching things when I didn't have, I didn't even know what patterns were. So I think it mimics my other artistic style of sort of experimentation. And while there's, that's my style and it it fits me, Sierra's perspective, which I think her brain is much more in tune with the scientific part than mine, And it's been nice to be able to bounce things off of her that I'll have this vision for something and the technical aspect, I'll go to her like, Sierra, all right, 
I want this kind of pant. I want it like this, but I don't need this part to be this way. And she, the way her brain works is very technical in this part. She might want to switch this piece. So I've been able to, even with the technical aspects and the tips and things that she brings, I'm better able to bring like a vision that I have for something to life. And then inversely, sometimes if she has a, a technical thing and there's some creative problems she has to solve, I'm like, oh, why don't you do this or use this or color block if you don't have like enough. So it's really cool. No, that's so beautiful. And I love this kind of this dialogue that you all have where you are able to supplement each other, that it's not about oh, I have this lack or I have this limitation, it's that I just don't know how to get there yet. Yeah. I know somebody who will help me get there. And that yeah. somebody is, is just at the end of the phone, you know? Right. Like, exactly. And that is really wonderful. When you think about your sewing journeys, who do you think, who started sewing first? Did you all start this simultaneously? Or did what did was one person like, I really want to dive into doing more sewing. Like, how does what is your sewing story? Ray definitely started sewing before me, but I think for for me, I just to be a hundred percent honest, like I was like in a heartbreak situation. And I was like, oh, 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 and I was like, I need something to do with my time. Feeling. It's, um, it's healing. And people talk about sewing as therapy. I like therapy for my therapy, but right. that too. sewing yeah. is therapeutic. It is yes. therapeutic. Yes. It can be something that's definitely healing and restorative. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, it, so it, def- it came at a time where I, I needed an outlet, but also where I had started my career and was really frustrated with the options that I had and that I could find in store. And I'm like, if it does come in my size, it's not the color I want. So I jumped in, or or expensive, or it just doesn't fit. So I jumped into sewing then, combining those things. And so while Ray had started beforehand, she jumped back in after I jumped in. Absolutely. And she can tell you about her journey to sewing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good segue. I think the very first time I sewed, I think I was about six or seven and had been signed up for sewing a basic sewing class with one of my cousins. And I think we ended up making a pillow and just very basic things. And I remember that foundation. And I remember even at that age being like, why do I need to know all this? Like, I remember it being in the class and thinking like, all right, can we get on the sewing machine? But they were still, I remember it's the first time I saw a seam gauge and I immediately decided it was something I didn't need. And I thought it was extra, you know, but It gave me a foundation and I didn't know that I would come back to it. It was very basic. I didn't really sew for a long time after that. I don't think it was a conscious decision. I just was doing other things. And then sewing popped up back for me in undergrad. I was uh, part of an African dance group. And for one of the step shows for homecoming, I went to North Carolina A&T. Shout out to Aggie Pride. Aggie Pride. Um, And yeah, it's here as Aggie too. And we were a part of one of the step shows and we did this whole Michael Jackson, remember the time skit or whole, it was a production. Let me just be clear. And for some reason, so we had to think about costumes. And then when you like quietly put your finger up and start saying stuff and Oh, she knows how to sew. She's going to make her costumes. And I'm like, what? (laughs) So like I made a pillow and I didn't even, (laughs) Um, and I made, I made a pillow in a class 10 years ago. I'm making everybody's costumes cool. So I just took it on. That's the other thing. Sometimes my fearlessness places me into uh, situations where I'm taking stuff on and then finding out how to do it later. Really, with the women's costumes, it was more about draping. Now that I'm thinking about that, we were draping things because it was this Egyptian uh, kind of motif. And so I helped everybody with the draping. But the men... I had to make like headbands and then like loincloths. So they had on like biker shorts underneath, but legitimately I was, I was going to say I had to, but I, I got to, it's like- I got, <laughs> I had to measure everybody's weight and it's undergrad and it's the alphas and it's just like, oh. yeah, I measured. Okay. Who's next? I, but those were like, that was the, what I didn't realize was pattern drafting and measuring and figuring out elastic and, 
I got through it. I ended up, I used a glue gun at some point during that. I don't know. <laughs> you, project, you Project runway it. That's what you I did. I did. His costume stayed intact. And so that, I remember, started me back into sewing, but more pattern drafting, because also my African dance group, we made our own costumes. Okay. There were no patterns. And so we were just measuring, figuring out, draping and stuff. And I had no clue, like at that time, anything about the pattern world. So Sierra, I saw her beginning, not beginning, but continuing to find her voice and finding a an outlet and even like this sewing as a tool for empowerment. Yes. And as I saw her doing that, I was like, and she brought uh, this, oh my what goodness. I'll call. And my Alicia oh, King oh, voice. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. So it was good to see that process and... She brought this millennial perspective because, you know, remember everything that I learned was like back in, I guess it was the 80s. Was that the 80s? Yeah, it was the 80s. So she's talking to me about all the new stuff and like indie pattern companies and fabric and size inclusivity. And I was like, what? I'm used to these little tissue paper joints. And she started talking about things like a rotary cutter, like in tights. And I just was like, and I saw this like spark in her and I was like, I want some of that. So yeah. she really pulled us back in and we started humbly with the Mimi G Sewing so Academy. Academy. We started there and it was like very quickly we were like, all right, we got the foundation. We're moving on. We learned some great stuff, but then took off into the indie pattern world and it's been fabulous since then. So yeah, she, she brought me back in in a more structured way. You're listening to the Stitch Please podcast. Today's topic is Sewing Sisters, and I am talking with Sansere and Sierra Burrell. Stay tuned as they talk more about independent patterns and what it means to be a rebel after the break. The Stitch Please podcast is really growing. Um, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and ask a favor. If you are listening to this podcast on a medium that allows you to rate it or review it, for example, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do so. If you're enjoying the podcast, if you could drop me a five-star rating, if you um, have something to say about the podcast um, and you wanted to include that, a couple sentences in the review box of Apple makes a really big difference in how the podcast is evaluated by Apple, how it becomes more visible. It really is a way to lean into the algorithm that helps to rank podcasts. So if you had time to do that, to drop a little line in the review feature of the podcast, that would be really appreciated and it would help us to grow even further and faster. Welcome back to the Stitch Please podcast. Today's episode is Sewing Sisters and I'm speaking with Sierra and Sansa Ray Burrell. In our next portion, we're going to talk about what it means for them when they call themselves sewing rebels and what they also mean when they say your body is your canvas. Here we go. But so. in the structure of the indie pattern world, it still seems to allow you the kind of artistic flexibility and range that you enjoy, Sansere, and it allows mm-hmm. Sierra to experiment and stretch her wings as well with being all the testing that you do, Sierra, like all of the work that you do to help pattern companies be better. I really think that's incredibly generous labor that you are giving these companies. I, I think that anyone who tests is, excuse me, giving <laughs> generous labor. But can you talk about that, about the questions of creative extension that I think we find in the indie pattern community that I don't think is, I think that the big four patterns just aren't hungry in the same way that indie patterns are. And maybe it's because they've been around since, you know, the 1920s. When you have a hundred years or so of an institution behind you, it can make you rigid and inflexible. And they're starting to thaw out a little bit, but the indie patterns have, they started from a totally different point. Can you talk a bit, Sierra, about some of the testing that you have done for people like, or even the modeling for cashmere? Like I was saying on the in the call, y'all, before we got started, I was like, I was going to wear my Appleton dress in honor of the Burrell sisters who both did an <laughs> Appleton dress at Beach Week. And it was such a hit that I think almost everybody who was part of that first group has made an Appleton dress. I think they should just call it a Sierra and Sansere at this point. Talk about naming things. 
So can you talk a bit about when you get started um, with Cashmerette or what pattern testing brings to the community overall? Yeah, Cashmerette is one of the first indie pattern companies that I actually made a pattern from. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I looked at the, the measurement chart and I was like, oh, my body fits in this. Because there was this excitement. Oh my gosh, indie patterns and it's this, you can print it off. I get really excited and then I, I look at the size chart and I'm like, oh, that's not, that's okay, cool. And I was, I was smaller at the time. So it was an even different experience than maybe where I am now. So when I saw that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this. And I got so excited when I, I printed out the first pattern. And I was like, I can do this. I can lay this out. I can put this together. And they have, they have grid lines, which is helpful for somebody like me who, who needs to line up more than one point on a page for it to work. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I don't even know what my first cashmere pattern was, but it fit so well and it was so easy and there was a sew along and I was like, oh, this is indie sewing. This is, <laughs> I I can go to the website and I can see this sew along and there's pictures and you can look at hashtags. And that's when I realized there's an entire community here. There's a community of people making clothes that fit their body. And it was so exciting. Casual always has a special place in my heart because like my boobs fit in it and I don't have <laughs> yeah, to do a full bus adjustment every time because I, I can do one, but I, I prefer to not have to, especially not like a, a pretty large one because then it gets into other stuff that I don't know how to change. But I was living in Massachusetts at the time and they had an in-person workshop because they, they are a, a Boston based company. And so they had the in-person workshop and I told Ray before I went, I was like, my goal to model for Cashmerette. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to happen. Yep. <laughs> she named um, it. Talking about manifestation. <laughs> this, is, this is apparently what you all do. Yeah. So, so, I'm so, so, a pattern. Yeah, Sansa Ray wanted a sister. Bam. Hello. Hi, Sierra. Nice to meet you. And then Sierra grew up <laughs> and was like, I want to model for Cashmerette. Bam. Now she's on, I did the Appleton. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. I'm just excited. Oh, no, you're fine. Yeah. I'm excited too. It was because I, I was I was doing a lot of fangirling and it was really cool to meet Jenny and Ayala and, and Carrie and everybody was just so nice. And I was like, oh, I like this. And then Jenny was like, oh, yeah, if you want to model for us. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, oh, accomplished. But it was a really cool experience because I'd never done anything like that before. And I got to model the, the Linux shirt dress and the Springfield top. And what's funny is I have printed out the Linux shirt dress. I printed out like the sleeveless edition, the long sleeve edition, the regular one. I have yet to make it. And I don't know what that's about. But you know what? Because this is happening now, I'm vowing that in the next month, I'm going to make it because... I love it, and I am not going to be intimidated by it anymore. I'm just going to make it. It's going to be great. I made the Linux shirt dress because oh. you were on the cover. So oh, I love that so I, much. I did make it. I did make it. I still need to do some adjustments and stuff on it, but I, I was like, my friend's on this pattern. I got to make this pattern. Come to I'm find out. Yeah. Come to find out. My friend didn't even make the doggone pattern. <laughs> <laughs> I did something I wanted to know before I committed myself to making it, but all right. Yeah, little known fact. But <laughs> but I love that. Y'all, you're so supportive. I, that's one of the things I love about Black Women Stitch. The most supportive group of people that I've, I've met, like, period. Like, even outside of sewing. So that it makes me happy. And you were asking about testing. So it was another one of those things where... I didn't understand at first. I'm like, what do you mean pattern testing? What is that? And so I didn't understand exactly how to be involved with it or anything. Mm -hmm. But I remember like sometimes pattern companies will have in a tester call or like you fill out a form if you want to be a pattern tester. Mm -hmm. And I really started because I was like, you know what? I just started sewing. There's a lot of stuff that I just don't know. And I think that it's important that if you have these people who want to try out your pattern or want to do this, I think you should be able to let it be pretty approachable yes. to people. And I understand every pattern is not beginner friendly, but you have people like me who are just like, I'm just going to make it. 
Yeah. It's going to make jeans. Yeah, fearless. It's, it. it's just more steps. That's right. And, and I, But I love that because I think we can get caught up in how hard something is supposed to be. Like my first garment was a knit. And I remember somebody being like, oh my gosh, it was a knit. And I'm like, Am I supposed to be afraid of this? Girl, there are that there's so much fear in everything. And I can't figure out if it, this is because women do it or what. But this idea of fear in sewing, people who are afraid of their surgers, Lord. People who are afraid of, and I'm like, wait a minute, did the machine buy you or did you buy the machine? Oh, I like right. that. I'm trying to understand what you're afraid of. Because you sound like you're a grown-ass woman who has a job and knows how to drive a car, and that's way more scary than a surger. It's very true. Yeah, I like that, though. I'd like to approach sewing from my fearless perspective, so I wanted to give that sort of perspective. And then from there, I became trying to be a a champion for more people to be able to have this pattern, it fitting more bodies. And so then I almost felt like I had an obligation then, since I was vocal about it, to then be a part of the solution. So if you're going to expand your size range, okay, let me be a part of the testers for that. Yeah. yeah. And But I, I, I really do enjoy it because I love a well-tested pattern. I love when people give honest feedback and it's incorporated into the final pattern. And some of that feedback might just be, oh, it's not my style. Okay, cool, thanks. But when it's actually like critical feedback, like this step doesn't make sense, or yes. I know I cut this out perfectly, these notches aren't lining up. Like, yes. Yes. oh, I love a well-tested pattern. So I, I try to be somebody who gives pretty good feedback. And I know it's not always the most amazing feedback because time management, but I like to be a part of the solution. And sometimes when, if you have somebody who has a completely different body from mine, but they want somebody like me in their pattern, they don't always think about the same things. Like I always think about, okay, where are you going to put this bust apex and do I need to adjust it? Yes, that's right. That's right. Or even just, okay, so my body is bigger. My head is not. So let's maybe make the hood <laughs> regular size head. <laughs> I do have a large head, but but I, I love being able to do that. And it's funny because whenever I'm talking to my mom, she's like, are you testing something again? And I'm like, I am. Oh, you, got, you got your it's mom just, into the lingo. It's slight shade. be very shady. <laughs> um, but I, I love pattern testing. Uh, I am trying to do a little bit less just so I can really just make what I want. Yes. Um, yes. I but mean- I love it. I feel like you're given such a powerful gift. And it's so funny. I want to go back to some of the things you were saying before, like we call it indie patterns or independent patterns. But something that you, something that your explanation reveals is that they're independently manufactured, right? They're not from a giant company, but there is a huge, but you're not lonely. It's a huge community that you're participating yes. in. Yes. So even to call it independent pattern companies is a bit of a misnomer. Because Mm -hmm. although they don't have a giant corporate structure, they don't have a workroom full of pattern graders and sewists and those kind of things. They have a whole global community of people who are making patterns, selling patterns, giving advice. There's the sew-alongs, the hashtags. You can find the support that you need. I've sewn patterns from companies that are based in Australia that I never would have just stumbled upon if I was yes. flipping through the books at, at a mainstream fabric store. You know what I'm saying? I never would have Absolutely. Done that. And so these are the things that I think is so beautiful about sewing community. And that's why the work that you're doing there is so, I think it's so important. At the same time, you've also got to preserve your own time because if you spend all your time testing patterns, when do you get to sew for your own happiness? And of course, I'm sure the Absolutely. part of that's great. But like, sometimes you just want to like, not be working, at least me. I want to. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I I think that as my sewing practice evolves, my approach does as well. I've had like good testing experiences and not so great testing experiences. So I under, I'm starting to understand this is what I like about testing and this is what I don't. Mm -hmm. And there's also been a huge shift to compensate pattern testers. Yes, yes. Which I, I, I think is great. And I'm very excited about that. And I I look at it like, okay, you were saying it's a gift and it's, yeah, it's, 
It's a huge gift. And I understand that everybody's at a different place. So what they're able to offer is going to be different. But then I can make the decision if I want to do it or not. If I look at it like when it comes to Luna and Broad or Cashmerette, there's a 99.9% chance that I'm going to buy that pattern anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to test that if they ask me to test it. Or just knowing that, yeah, I love that whatever this pattern is, it's going to come out or that they're testing. But you know what? I'm going to wait till it comes out and I'm just going to buy it. And that's okay. And it's no love loss. Because no. I also think it's important to switch that testing pool up. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think that if someone is, I think that I really love your claim, Sierra, about beginners as testers. Because yeah. not every pattern, of course, is beginner friendly, but there are certain steps that beginners might need that you yes. say that, I don't know, there's a certain form of unique feedback that you can get from a beginner then you, because you can, you know, we can figure Absolutely. it out, like if it doesn't mm-hmm. look right, yeah. we can do this differently or whatever. Or as uh, Sansere believes that instructions are suggestions. Suggestions, yeah. guidelines. <laughs> suggestion and me and I'm gonna look at the cutting layout every time I am not good at pattern Tetris Sansari is like a pattern Tetris like level whatever the top level is (laughs) and I'm over here wait so where's the fold is this the right (laughs) side or the wrong side (laughs) like so I'm gonna look at the pattern layout so I'm gonna give feedback on that or the cutting layout but some people that's something that some people don't care that much about but from my experience it is so important because I can't stand when I, I get the right amount of fabric and I go and I just start cutting. I don't really lay it all out. I just start cutting. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. that. And then you get to the end and you're like, oh, wait, but I need two sleeves, though. <laughs> I <Right. only> have <laughs> one. So, then I go to Sansa Ray's where I'm like, I'll just cover block. It's fine. Yeah. I can sew. It's fine. Oh, that's right. great. Oh, you were talking before about being sewing rebels. And I, I love that idea of the idea of sewing as a tool of liberation, of helping to open your artistic process. Have you found that sewing plays a role in any of your other artistic endeavors? I know you do a lot of painting, little paintings, small things that can fit on the four corners of a page. And most recently, you all, an actual building. A mural yeah. on a building in Richmond, Virginia, that she um, and a collaborator did. There was hard hats involved. There was a hydraulic lift. My nerves, were, my nerves were toe up from the flow up, and I was not even there. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna wait until she's done um, and is off the thing um, before I look at any more photos because uh, my nerves are the way, the way my nerves are set up. I cannot imagine my friends in what I consider dangerous situations and be okay. But my friend did not think she was in a dangerous situation. How was that? Like, how was not just painting the mural, which of course I can, I'd love to hear about that. But how do you imagine like sewing and garment construction, draping, color blocking? Does that shape in any way the other, your other work that you do with um, painting and design? Very much. And that's a great question. So yeah, I'm definitely a rebel. And the like foundation of my rebellion has to do with a a sort of a bigger picture. When I think about life and how we operate in this world, I always, I think we're wildly told to conform to certain things. And we'll look at situations and just accept a certain structure or a certain system and then point the finger back at us, something's wrong with me. The system is fine, it's me. And so I'm very much a person that's, no, the system is not working for me, so the system has to adjust to me. And it comes from a place of switching into recognizing I'm a human being who's worthy of having a life I want to have the desires of my heart met. And from early on, like I told you, I my parents like had me believe that was possible. If it's not working for you, figure out a way. So sewing augments that because if we're talking about, and my sister and I talk about this all the time, how we have been able to completely shift the way that we dress in a way that is empowering, that gives us autonomy. We get to choose the color. We get to choose the fabric, the, the silhouette. And there's a part of that I particularly like because I'm very rebellious in the creative expression aspect of even like just everyday life or especially on the job. 
I am going to be the person, if you, when I, I just started a new job and I'm looking, my main thing to look for was like, let me see this dress code. Let me see what it says. Let me see how I can, because I think it's important to show up as yourself, as your true self. And I think that there's, there's certainly been a shift since I remember like having issues with it when I was in high school about even down to like certain colors that you're supposed to wear in a job interview. And I'm like, how vanilla is that? Sewing really augments my ability to show up as I, as I feel, as I am. I get to make that decision and, and using clothing as expression is huge. I think it's huge. And it's, it's something that also augments my other art process because even just the simple fact that I'm often like painting in public or in places and I want to be comfortable and stylish, it allows me to do that. It allows me also to share that with other people. Like, oh, I like that dress. I know we've all been there. Yes. And it's, I get such excitement and response. So I'm like, thank you. I made it. And then people are like, oh, mind blown. And so then I take that. And of course, I do a little happy dance. But then I'm like, you can make, you, can, you too can do that. So I love. It's like, where do you think say, come from? Where do you think people make them? And I was about to say I like giving permission. It's not really giving permission. It's holding up a mirror and and just encouraging people. You can make these decisions too. Um, you also, if you want this kind of empowerment or you want the freedom to be, allow your body to be your canvas and just express yourself, you can do that too. I, I always have this ongoing campaign about getting people uh, into the sewing process. So I feel it's like rebel wear because I'm also like very sensory oriented. I remember as a child, a lot of the stuff that, not a lot, but there were things that were out, especially sweaters. I just would have such a hard time, like the, the, the uh, fabric content being on my skin and just with even little stuff, like you know how you have your socks and there's a little line on the socks, yes. the seam at the toe. If that is off on my foot, it's a bad day. It's, it's a wrap. It's a bad day. I don't care if I've had to deal with 50,000 other things like, oh, you car accident. No, look at my sock. No. So, <laughs> right. It, it is like, I'm so sensory oriented. I'm insured. The car has insurance. Right. That's <laughs> fine. But I can't deal. Okay. So I recognize that about myself. So that's the other thing I love about sewing and fabric buying, which we know are two different, different they're, they're two different hobbies they're related but are separate comfort during the day like being literally being comfortable whatever I'm doing is also super important and speaking of comfort so you're talking about the mural right so that is my first time being up in a what we call a boom lift now I know what you're thinking what's a boom lift so if you've ever seen anybody lift or go up on a lift and it's sort of like a See visual. If you're not, if you're on the uh, podcast, I'm making some weird motion with my hands. Like but a regular, <laughs> right? They're X's. They go up and they almost like scissors or whatever. The lifts, regular lifts, just go up and they come back down. The nature of our wall oh. um, meant that we had to have what we call a boom lift. So a boom lift goes up, down, left. So it goes up and then it circles around and you can turn it to the side and then there's another lift. So, so it's while, like boom. While you're in the air? Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because what happened is <laughs> the wall we're painting on, there's it didn't butt up to the parking lot. It was there's like a a little gravel area and a sidewalk. So we were having to if we just went straight up, we'd be too far from the wall. So we had to go up and then over and the first time I went up in the lift and my fellow artist collaborator Andre He's a construction worker, so he had this down and everything, and I'm, like, still got my harness on, and I'm like, hold up, wait a minute, where do I clip this to in the lift? And he's, ah, sort of has half on or whatever, and that's, he was comfortable in that space, and I was faking like I was. And it's funny, because when I went up the first time, and I'm so excited, it's my first huge mural like this, and my first thought when we got up there, I was like, okay. So I'm sorry, how are you going to tell this man that you're not going to be able to participate in this, in making this mural? Like, I really was like, oh, maybe I can just do the bottom part of it and use a ladder. I don't know. But the feeling of not being grounded 
drives me nuts. So again, a sensory thing, but it wasn't so much the hype. It was the fact that it was forever this. It was forever swaying because you're in the air. Hmm? The swaying, that's the thing I can't get over. And then once you, once you, if you're going up on this part and you get to the end, it, it's like moving. So I, I, I really was thinking like, oh, I've told them I'm doing this. I've signed all this paperwork and stuff and I'm gonna have to figure out how to tell them I can't do this. I got back down. And when I tell you I was grounding like a mofo when I got back <laughs> down on the ground, cause I was just like, all right, let me feel. I sat on the ground, let me feel the ground and I am solid. And I just said to myself, I was like, self, this is an opportunity. Don't, if we can cuss on here, we can on the podcast. So I was like thinking about my fear. I'm like, but that, you just were up there. It's, it's shaky. And I was like, I just turned to myself, like, fuck your fears. You know, like, get over it. Just like, fears. You got to do this. Get over it. And so I just pushed through. The second time I went up, I was good. Wasn't 100%, but I was like, I can do this. And then by the end of it, I'm running the, the lift myself. Like, he showed me how to do it. I would go up on my own. Yeah, I was just like, mm-mm. So... I will say it still is not the most grounding experience because then you're also painting. So sometimes I'd be like painting and I'd be swaying. I would paint a little bit and then it would come back. And I'm like, all right, I gotta wait. So it was a lot to get over. Oh my God. And such a large, yeah, it was, it was huge. So I just, I had that moment where I was like, I'm going to be more upset with myself if I stop doing, this is an opportunity. It's saying something big. Yes. Uh, we were um, highlighting two people in Richmond who, particularly in the Black community, were are all about bringing fresh produce and vegetables and fruit to food deserts. And the young lady is also a doula, and they both like they're beekeepers and stuff. And I had to keep saying that in my head, focus on your purpose, what you're doing, yeah. Get over your fears and push through. But it was, uh, it was my body was tired because you're constantly trying to ground yourself and picking like, stuff up. Size, to stay well. Like, it's, it sounds like you're, it sounds like someone had, how you have a pendulum with the old fashioned, like I'm going to hypnotize you by swinging a, yeah. a watch in front of you. It sounds like you were painting, but you were also the watch. Like it would swing forward yeah. a little bit, it swings back. Swings forward, paint a little bit, swing back. Yeah. And, and it wasn't always so wildly like that, but the higher you go, the less grounded you are and the wind was blowing. And so it was quite the experience. It took me a while physically to rest because also what happens, and I didn't learn this, is that I remember I was laying down the day after we finished and I still felt like I was doing this. Like oh, I still, my body had the sensation where I was still moving and it did that for a day and a half. It was bugged out. But I'm glad I listened to the the voice in me that said push through it. Yeah. I will let you know that I was harnessed up and clipped onto that thing. Okay. Nobody's business every time. Because the other thing I was thinking, I was like, Sansa, if you fall or do something stupid and somebody asked you if you were all hooked in, you're going to, if you can answer at that point, you're going to be feeling like stupid. Like, <laughs> I was like, nope, safety first. That was not a time I chose to rebel. Exactly. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it was, it was something else. So that is incredible. That sound you're describing about the feeling you're describing if that happens apparently when you go on cruises. Like if you're mm. on a cruise ship for a day, and then like when you get off and you go to a port or whatever, and you're walking around, your body will still feel like you can still feel like you're moving even if you're standing still. But the outcome is totally worth it. What a gorgeous, oh, massive tribute. It's a multi-story building. It was really tall. It was really high yeah. up. Yeah. And you, and it's such a beautiful, it's a beautiful tribute. So I'm glad Thank you. you encouraged yourself and believed in yourself you. enough to stick with it because, yeah, I would not. I would be like, my part requires being plugged into the sewing machine. <laughs> I, I, I guess I could stay, I guess I could sew with my sewing machine at a standing desk and just move my foot up and down. But... That's pretty much as far as I'm willing to go in terms of changing my particular approach to my craft. I don't think I'll be doing anything that requires me sewing on top of like a two-story, three-story building. <laughs> and exposed to the elements. So anything that involves swaying, that's a no. A no um, for me, dog. That's a no for me, dog. 
As we start to wrap up, this has been a beautiful conversation. I want to, I'm eager to hear what you all have planned next. What are your next big sewing things, your next big making things? Sierra, I saw that you did a live with my body model. And I know you've had that for quite a while and have been working with them. And I know that you, and you also do a lot of other things in the online sewing community. What's, what's up next for you? What are some garments you want to get into for as we head into this season of changing weather? How's that looking for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited because I can be all over the place when it comes to making things, which is fine. Yes. But I wanted to make sure I could make a cohesive fall garment collection, whatever you want to call it. So I did the, Seamark has a design your wardrobe project or thing that they do. And it just guides you through like concept to like completion. And so I actually, I was like, I'm going to actually do this (laughs) instead of just fake doing it. Now (laughs) I, I did read through rather than watching every single video, but I did that. And then I was like, all right, cool. So part of that process, I like picked a color palette. I use some of the fab. It's all fabric from my stash, mm-hmm. which is amazing. really great to use. I, I was like, wow. <laughs> You're just you shopping your stash. Finally. That's not to say that I'm not buying fabric right now because that would be a <laughs> lie. But for this particular project, I, I, I was like, I'm going to use my stash. It's here. Like, just use it. Don't just look at it and cut the fabric. And then I, I sketched the looks on my my body model croquis because it helped me understand okay this is where I want the hem to hit and this is how much ease I want this to be and maybe I'll make it in this size so I'm really looking forward to making those garments like I have the fabric over there I have the patterns cut out I just have to sit down and do it yeah so that's my big thing I'm really excited and then I can finally have a sketch to finish thing um I'm looking forward to all the mustard and teal and burnt orange makes I'll, I'll have for whatever season this is because apparently Georgia has like a fake fall. Oh. Like my air is back on. I don't understand. <laughs> Very confusing. But that is my next big thing. And I'll still do stuff in between, but I'm excited to have a cohesive little, I'm not going to call it capsule collection because that doesn't really fit for me. Yeah. But <laughs> Um, I love it. You know what I love about you talking about the body model and the croquis when it goes back to what Sansere was just saying that you can allow your body to be your canvas. Absolutely. When we see your collection and your projects for the fall, the colors you're describing, it really is a beautiful illustration of you are your canvas. And so using Absolutely. the body model and, and the drawing and the sketching and the coloring and to look to see where is this going to hit me or what do I want here for this hem rise? And it's, that's just really beautiful. And it does, it just cements this idea about sewing as a tool of liberation and empowerment that you Absolutely. Will never, you'll never again be limited by what some department store thinks you should be wearing. Yes. Right. You this know. my body. I wear what I want. Okay. Right. <laughs> here, here. What about you, Sansere? Do you have any upcoming exciting sewing projects or art projects or both? So I will, it's a um, two-part thing, but what, the first part is inspired by Sierra because a couple weeks ago I went down to visit with her and spend some time. I think it was a couple weeks. I don't know what time is. So I went there sometime this year and we did this sort of Marie condoing of her fabric stash. We uh, went through everything because it was in different like stages of, I guess, putting away. I think everybody can relate to that if you are a fabric collector. Yes. And uh, so we went through and she was able to touch everything. We would talk about it or laugh. We would decide, is this going to me? Is it going to stay in her stash or is she donating it? And then we had this sort of assembly line where we would, I would fold it back and we put the um, boards in there and decide where it was going. And seeing how that even sparked renewal in Sierra sewing, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get back and start organizing my fabric too. And it also made me think about, Lisa, your system of categorizing or organizing your fabric. I just, 
I will never forget when you were showing me how you have the notebook and the fabric suggestions. You have the, the swatch book. Like those are goals. I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. The first part of what I want to do is continue to organize the stuff I have so that the part of me that likes to be free and creative can still benefit from some structure. And so that I'm not buying the same things because <laughs> that happens too sometimes, but because I'm so visual, it helps to have things organized visually too. Yes. I do want to take on the, I'll say task. I would like to make some jeans. I didn't, I know Sierra's so excited. I don't think I necessarily had the desire so much before now, but again, getting to see the things that my sister is making and her sort of explaining that jeans is just, you've done some difficult projects before. It's just more steps. So I'm going to make a pair of jeans. And I also, this is probably at least a year away because I've been getting so many like compliments and questions about sewing, wanting to look into using my studio to teach some very small basic sewing classes particularly for the women I encounter who are running into the same challenges with finding things that um, are unique to them as well. So I have to make sure I balance that because another thing that my sister and I talk about is we get excited about opportunities. And if we take them all on, we look up and our plate is like, oh my goodness. Yes. Is is this a plate or a platter? When did this happen? Oh my gosh. How do I always say yes? And then I'm like, I'm so tired. And in closing that out is that everything that I'm thinking about, even if I think about the next year, wanting to do so in a way that uh, allows me more free time, that allows me more of a choice to do that. I've traditionally been someone who takes on a lot of commissions Mm -hmm. and I feel blessed to have that many requests. Yeah. But I have to be very vigilant about my boundaries with my time and balancing that with the things that I do want to take on. So anything that I'm putting my my thoughts or my mind to coming up next is going to be balanced. And I'll add one thing, and I know Sierra is going to be like, oh my gosh, you're signing us up for something. <laughs> but we're going to do this. We keep talking about it. And we actually do it. We just have to structure it and record and do all that. We've decided, like, our team name is the Sisters B. And one of the things we like doing is taking everyday songs and remixing them to fit into the fabric and sewing world. So it is an elaborate pondering. It is elaborate. We have a list that's growing of not only songs that we're remixing, but like stuff that needs to go on T-shirts. But there's a whole video. I'll give you a little sneak uh, peek. I'm not going to sing it, but I will tell you the song. um, (laughs) Sierra's like, I'm done. With Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. The Girl is Mine. Mine. So we have concepted that we're going to remake the video, but instead of The Girl is Mine, it's The Fabric's Mine. So we have this whole, yeah. So I'm going to say 2021, 2022, look out for the Sisters B mixtape. It is sure to be a hot mess, but a good laugh. It hits. I was saying it is sure to be a hit. I would love to get a hit something. The fabric is mine. I love it. I am so excited. I can imagine y'all like walking down the aisles of the fabric store and both hands reach for the same bolt of Mm -hmm. fabric. You're back and forth about who needs more, who needs it more. (laughs) Oh my goodness. The thing that my husband loves to quote to me is that, is it the old Dolph? Oh, cut it. It's too hot. Cut it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Loves it. He'll pick up a piece of fabric in the song. He's Lisa. This fabric's way too big. You need to cut it. <laughs> yes. Yes. I and love it so, it much, so much. See? It's so much fun. Yeah, I cannot wait. And I hope that when y'all mixtape drops that you will come back to the Sit Please podcast um, for oh. a special listening session. <laughs> a special listening session of the Sisters B mixtape. There's a fabric edition. There's a sewing yes. edition. There's the unsewing edition. Oh, um, yep. Have all the bad words in it. There's all, yeah, there's all sorts of things that are in the works. 
when we before we leave, tell us where we can find you all on social media. I, I'll be sure to include the links um, to your projects in the show notes. How can people find you and follow you on Instagram and other parts of the internet world? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Sierra Burrell. That's my name, and I've had it for a long time, so I'm not going to change that. I also have a blog called Seems Like Sierra, and I post intermittently on there. And how about you? My Instagram handle is at Just Ray, J-U-S-R-E. And my website is www.justray.com. So J-U-S-R-E. I am just so grateful to you. Oh my goodness, I forgot. I, I can't believe I forgot to mention this. You all, the Stitch Please logo with the Afro and the sewing notions flying out of her hair, that was designed and gifted to the Stitch Please podcast by... Sansere. And, yeah. and I was honored to even be asked. It was Believe just, you me. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And it's so beautiful. It's so loving. I love it so much. And one of our friends, Naomi, is convinced that it is her. Hey. Is, this is me. Mm-hmm. So I've got, so, yeah, so I'm going to make sure I, yeah, this is obviously my face on here. So yeah, I just love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sansare and Sierra, for being with us today. This has been a delightful, beautiful, generous episode. I am so excited for it to hit the light of day. Thank you also for your patience and being on the Zoom today. So for those who are listening to the podcast, I hope you've enjoyed this interview. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you will get to see um, the video as well, which is glorious um, to look at our lovely faces and spaces But this has been a delight. Thank you so super much. Y'all are amazing. You're amazing. We you are amazing. We be the mirrors. We be the mirrors. Yeah, the mirrors. So thank you, Lisa, for continuing to be your generous, uh, funny, silly, but wisdom-filled and pioneering. That's the word. Pioneering in this world as a beautiful Black woman who sews and takes on so many things. Don't ever forget that. Like, you, you're a pioneer. And uh, I think we're just really delighted to have met you and to get to share space with you. So... Thank you for including us. Excellent. Excellent. All the loving hearts, all the loving hearts. Y'all are a delight. You've been listening to the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you supporting us by listening to the podcast. If you'd like to reach out with, to us with questions, you can contact us at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do that by supporting us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can find Black Women Stitch there in the Patreon directory. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help support the project with things like editing, transcripts, and other things to strengthen the podcast. And finally, if financial support is not something you can do right now, you can really help the podcast by rating it and reviewing it anywhere you listen to podcasts that allows you to review them. So I know that not all podcasts Um, directories or services allow for reviews but for those who do for those that have a star rating or just ask for a few comments if you could share those comments and say nice things about us at the stitch please podcast that is incredibly helpful thank you so much come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together